Peace. You're tuned into the Edible Activist Podcast. I am your host and favorite edible activist, Melissa L. Jones. On this show, we feed you empowering narratives and perspectives from the voices of emerging Black people and people of color in food and agriculture who are stewarding the land, healing communities, and advocating for food justice and economic power across the globe. Our rich contributions and stories exemplify the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. Alrighty, y'all. So for today's show, we are talking about how cities can improve our food system, right? We know we still have a lot of work to do. Um, We have a lot of amazing people who are shepherding this movement on the ground every single day in their communities, um, in their respective neighborhoods across the globe. Um, But the public, you know, um, citizens, people like me, you know, who live in the city, we, we have an opportunity to help support improving our food system. And so we're going to have a really great conversation. Um, And more specifically, we're going to talk about um, New York City. We're going to speak to New York City. I have a really great guest who I'm going to bring on in just a minute. Um, But just as a very brief intro, so I have for today's show, um, Ripka Getacho, um, who is an NYC food justice organizer. She is also the director of the Good Food Purchasing Program campaign at Community Food Advocates, which is based in New York City. So we're going to get a little bit more into that. We're going to be talking about all things procurement. We're going to be talking about supporting small-scale farmers. Um, We're going to be talking about environmental sustainability and how we can just really support like the values that we all believe in and how we can, how cities can improve our food system by supporting these businesses and really getting them, you know, in in the in the process in government in local government for the people right so putting good food before us so we're going to talk more to that but without further ado i'm going to invite my guest on the show ripka hi oh y'all i didn't do my job today i told ripka that i was going <laughs> to unmute her and i didn't charge my head not my heart <laughs> ripka welcome to the edible activist podcast so good to Thanks have you so much Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. Absolutely. You know, I was um, really excited as, as you know, Ripka and I were chatting just a few moments before. And, you know, there's so many people who I want to meet. There's so many great people doing wonderful things, you know, in this movement and on the ground. And so whenever I have an opportunity and someone say, hey, like, I think you should have this guest on the show. I'm just like amazed because number one, I'm honored, you know, that someone will find little old me. All right. This little old podcast and say, Hey, you know, I really think that, you know, this would bring another really great perspective to the show. So, um, I'm excited that everything was in alignment and that you're here mm-hmm. and we can share your voice, Ripka. So, um, we're going to dive in because that's what we do here. Let's on this do episode. It. Let's do Let's it. Do you it. are doing <laughs> really great things. You have been in the food space for a long time. Um, yeah. and so, um, Hey, I just want to congratulate you because thank you your work thank is you, great thank you your work is I appreciate great. that yes I, I appreciate and receive that yes and nobody else if you didn't hear if you didn't hear from anyone today you heard it from <laughs> Melissa L Jones like keep up the great work because our change agents 
need to hear more of that. You know, fixing our food system um, is is healing our food system is not yes. is not an easy thing to do. And then we're also talking about cities specifically, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. how cities can transform our food systems. Like that's a whole nother ball game, right? Like how can we use yeah. public dollars, you know, yes. to to really like support, you know, our farmers and support, you know, the things that we really value when it comes to our food. So we're going to get into that. But first, let's start with your why. Let's start a little bit with your background and your why, like how you yeah. got into this space, you know, how you, you know, what brought you here? I, I know food is important to you, but like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's yeah. some other things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really appreciate us, us starting with this question because, you know, I, I really believe that why we step into this work really defines how we step through this work. And, you know, for me, it's, it's really been two pronged and probably really multi pronged. Um, but if I would just whittle it down, you know, I would say that on, on one hand, I've been an organizer in different capacities for years now. Um, my work really started about over a decade ago, organizing as someone um, who had an abolitionist, who had and who has an abolitionist lens working alongside at the time, at the time, formerly and currently incarcerated people uh, to really transform their lived experiences. Um, and to, to, to transform our, our carceral system and how we think about carcerality in this country. Um, and working with this population day in and day out, I really saw and experienced how rampant food security was and, and still is. Um, and, you know, I really started to grapple with the questions of prison condition, the connection, you know, really between prison conditions and the disproportionate numbers of black and brown people in prison and jail settings. And I realized through this work that that wasn't disconnected, for example, from the realities of the poor quality of food that's sold in our, in our neighborhood gro grocery stores. None of these issues are siloed. No social justice issue is disconnected from the next one. Um, but also while exploring this, I myself was also dealing with a benign tumor in my knee um, wow. for, for several years. And um, because the medical industrial complex is real. And because that's a whole other conversation. Yes, and, it is. <laughs> and because um, in my case, conventional medication just didn't work for me. I had to simultaneously as, as a young black woman, I had to simultaneously really uncover the ways in which I had the inherent power to work towards healing myself. Um, and, and, wow. and these two really, really real experiences that I was having at the same time really illuminated the power of transforming our food system to one that's that's rooted in abundance and, and food sovereignty, and that's centered in truly supporting the power and the well-being of our communities. And that whole narrative and that those set of experiences and then some is, is really what brought me to the work that I do today. Oh, my goodness. Listen, Ripka, I feel like, you know, I and, and not not to take us totally off because I can do that, you know, <laughs> I can totally do that. But your experience in working with incarcer incarcerated individuals and working within the prison system, just thinking about, you know, you had mentioned the conditions. I'm mm -hmm. sure food in itself, you know, obviously is just a whole, you know, can be a whole nother conversation. There are multiple yeah. conversations that can be held about our yeah. incarceration, you know, system. But um, yeah. I, I thank you for sharing that with me because it is, 
it is always the thing that is the thorn or the thing that's nudging us or the thing that, you know, we're having to battle and combat and the thing that, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that leads us, you know, to this space yeah. to really just do some really powerful things. And I think um, not that I think I believe it's super important to always connect the present with the the past of the why and you know where was i you know 15 10 years ago when this whole thing you know sparked or when you know i was having issues with my knee i think that's super important that's why i start with Mm -hmm. that um so thank you for sharing that thank you so much so um i appreciate that yes absolutely let's let's talk about community food advocates in this this value-based program and so um let's start with community food advocates first you know the organization that you're a part of in in new york city um and then we'll morph into to, to the campaign, you know, that, that you have been leading. Um, and we'll, we'll dig more, um, from there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll just start this by saying that I recognize that our community's relationship to government is, is really complicated oh my to gosh, say the least. Rebecca. Oh my it's, God. I'm sorry. It's I have so to layered. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Mm. It, 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 and it's something that, you know, we have to just grapple with when, because it's so easy to, to talk about policy and, and, and to forget about the reality that it's not easy. I mean, you started off by saying that working in this space is, is not easy. And that's why I really appreciated you started with, starting with the question of why, because it's, it's really the answers to that question that really moves us through the really trying moments, the moments where we feel jaded, the moments where we maybe feel like change isn't possible. And it's it's the why is really what what allows us to dream. I feel what what allows me to dream, what allows me to vision, envision what I'm working towards day in and day out. Um, and so I, I just I just wanted to to start by saying that and to acknowledge that. Um, I know my relationship to to government is really complicated. Um, and, and there are days that I, I genuinely feel like, you know, what are we doing? Mm. Um, and I, and I, 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 I think wrestling with those questions is, is really important. Um, and, and something that I'm encouraged by though, I will say is it's something that we recognize at community food advocates organizationally and, and personally, um, is that we believe that our government truly has a fundamental responsibility to its people and an unmatched capacity to, to transform our food system. Absolutely. And so ultimately, and to ultimately work towards ending poverty and hunger. And you know, our, our work at Community Food Advocates really is at the intersection point between advocating for high impact, meaningful p- food policy and building really, really strategic coalitions. Um, we work in partnership with members of our community across New York City and New York State to censor the truth that those closest to the problem are the ones that are closest to the solution. Mm. And if we're not doing that, then we're really missing the mark. And, and we're not really holding our government accountable to what our communities truly need. And so that's that's really the heart of, of what Community Food Advocates is. And and the reason why I I believe in this work and that w- and, and is part of what drives me day in and day out. Wow. Wow. I again, A, I thank you so much for um, the setting the tone or not even necessarily setting the tone, but just really creating this transparency and that understanding mm. that, you know, the relationship between people and government is a very complicated one. I said, because it yeah. could probably be very challenging to hear 
um, you know, the work of government and, you know, um, just just the intro that you provide and just people making that connection, because, you know, they're probably questions of like government don't work for me. Government yeah, does nothing totally. for me. That is that is the that is the belief for many citizens, you know, who, who live here. Like, I, I get it. I yes, get it. I do too. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I get it. Yeah. And you know, I you know, people, you know, when you when you think about what your values are just as a person, as a human being, you know, when I ask myself that question, one of the one of the key values that I center in all of my relationships from my interpersonal relationships to my relationship to government is mm -hmm. accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, th and that's a two way street. And, you know, part of the work that we do is is really continually asking ourselves, how can we hold government accountable? And and that's not facetious. That's not theoretical. That's how can we do that in, in practice and in a way that, that censors our perspectives and our expertise is, as folks who are residents, you know, just moving through their day-to-day -day lives. Absolutely. Oh, a word. And it can be a whole nother conversation, right? A whole nother conversation. <laughs> it, it, it really is. All right. Well, you have been, again, I've said this before, you've been doing some really amazing things. And so one of the things that, you know, uh, community food advocates is this um, values-based procurement food model that you have yeah. been um, leading. And so, which was very interesting when I first learned about this, right? I mean, it's it's no secret that we want great food for everybody, right? But then when we yeah. are pulling in government and we're talking procurement and who we're buying from and if anybody is familiar with the procurement process which i am and <laughs> it was it was a, a, a not a fun one and just really understanding how government um you know um um operates when it comes to procurement which is a whole nother thing too when it comes when we're talking about like equity yeah. and procurement yeah. whole nother conversation right but some of the things that you all are working with is going to help support that you know when it comes to equity and supporting small-scale farmers BIPOC farmers you know mm -hmm. um really tying tying in sustainability and making sure that we are buying into you know things that are healthy nutritious but also support you know the, the residents who live here and the people who are doing the work you know so um i let's talk about this let's let's break this down a little yeah. bit further you know let's talk yeah. procurement first for those who aren't familiar with procurement and that's totally fine because there's a lot of stuff that i don't know let's let's and you whatever the whatever flow you want actually whatever makes sense first yeah. but i i really do want to make sure that people have an understanding of like procurement you know and then really diving into what does this mean you know for for a small scale farmer what does this mean for the public you know what does this mean for a small business you know like what yeah. so um yeah yeah yeah. All of yeah. these are really, really great questions that we grapple with day in and day out. Um, but just to really, you know, try and whittle it down as, as much as possible. Um, we um, lead the New York City and the New York State Good Food Purchasing Program campaigns. And that's a mouthful of a title. So just, you know, like you said, to break it all down, the Good Food Purchasing Program is a program that that started actually in L.A., um, over a decade ago at this point, about a decade ago, and has since found its way um, across many cities. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about its reach a little bit later on probably. Yep. Um, but the Good Food Purchasing Program really at its heart transforms the way that public institutions or agencies purchase food by creating a transparent and equitable food system that's really built on five core values. So the pillars of the program are uh, supporting our local economies, our local food economies, 
um, nutrition and the health and well-being of, of, of our people, um, valued workforce, and ultimately, do we do we support our workforce across the supply chain from farm mm. to fork? Um, how well are our animals treated? Um, do we do we center um, and prioritize vendors that uphold animal welfare principles? And environmental sustainability, like you mentioned earlier, is another central value to the Good Food Purchasing Program. Um, the question that we're we're really seeking to answer in using this program as as a tool in in New York City and and ultimately across New York State is how can we create more opportunities and pathways for farms and other food businesses that uphold these values, um, particularly as they try to um, undergo the the very multi-layered process of getting contracts with our public agencies or institutions. And I said that word earlier, um, and I'll just break that down just to just to to get to the heart of what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about schools um, that use public taxpayers' dollars, um, hospitals, senior centers, uh, homeless shelters, jails, and detention centers, and and other other agencies ac across our city and across our state um, that use our dollars as public taxpayers um, to buy and to serve food um, to its residents. Mm -hmm. um, the Good Food Purchasing Program if I were to just whittle it down to, to, its, to its heartbeat, really, it aims to, on, on one hand, really hold large vendors accountable to better practices, uh, while also ensuring that small and historically marginalized vendors, like BIPOC food producers, Black, Indigenous, and other POC farmers and food producers, actually have more opportunities to contract with our public agency. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so it's, it's, it's really, it's really multi-layered. Um, but you asked about procurement too, right? And that word, that word gets thrown around a lot, and it's really, really, it's really wonky, and it's something that <clears throat> I it contend with. It is wonky, with. Ripka. It's wonky. <laughs> I don't even like saying this. Listen, this is coming from someone who had a business for ten years, okay, and I've had a contract, you know, with 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 the government here, and I, it's, I, I mean, I have to say. It was not a friendly process, you know, and I, just really understanding the procurement process of like how they do the bids. And it just really goes to like yes. whoever's saying, OK, I'm going to do this for like five cents. And like, just yeah. think of that, you know, like if you are a food producer and like you are, you know, if y'all eat bologna sandwiches, that's fine. That's whatever. I'm, I'm just using it as an example. There's no judgment here. OK, right. I know what bologna <laughs> tastes like, but like that's just the reality of it. And so I'm this really is just exciting because this is really opening up the doors, you know, for, yeah. um, you know, as just the aforementioned, you know, folks and businesses that, that you had mentioned. But no, procurement is wonky. It's, okay. it's it so is. it's so wonky. And I have been doing this work for a while now and it's still wonky to me. So <laughs> let me just also start by saying that. And honestly, the, the quote unquote experts in procurement, they're also learning day in and day out because it's so multi-layered. And so I just I just want to center that. It's it's not particularly easy to understand. Um, but you know, one thing that I, if I could just contextualize this real quick is you know when i think of the good food purchasing program i really think of it as a tool to amplify the power of our communities so that they have a say in determining the food purchasing decisions that are made by our public agencies um, because you know what i said earlier is true that they're using our public taxpayers dollars 
um, day in and day out to make food decisions. And we should have a say in that. And so the Good Food Purchasing Program really centers values that have been determined to be important to our communities. And that's that's what gets censored as we advocate for the, the implementation of the Good Food Purchasing Program. But I just wanted to lay that out, lay that out on the table and you know, start that, start with that before I get into what procurement is. Um, but I'll just say that procurement, if I were to just break it down, it, it's really all of the processes and decisions that go into determining which vendor, in this case, which vendor a public agency will purchase from. Mm -hmm. And so like you mentioned, bidding, you know, there's a, an extensive bidding process. A, a, a bid has to be written that lays out all of the different specifications um, that an agency wants in, their, in that particular food product or from that particular vendor. Um, so when I say procurement, or, or, or leveraging the power of procurement, that's the process that I'm talking about that goes all the way to the time at which the contract is actually signed with the vendor and the time that that contract is actually fulfilled. Um, if I, that, that, even, in a, even that sounds a little bit, a, a little bit wonky. Um, <laughs> you know, when I- A little bit of anxiety and a bit triggering just to someone who's gone through the process before. I, <laughs> But it's I, not your I, fault, I, Ripka. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that transparency too, and I appreciate you know that perspective. You know, I I, I like to try and get even get even simpler. You know, I, I oftentimes talk about leveraging the power of procurement. That's what mm. we think of the Good Food Purchasing Program as. How do we leverage the power of procurement, and what does that even mean? You know, when we say that, we we're saying that because large public institutions spend so much money on food that food related companies from uh, food producers and farmers to processors and distributors become reliant on on the, the business from these institutions um, or public agencies like your schools, hospitals, etc. Mm -hmm. And because of this, the agencies can influence those companies to adhere to practices or values that are in line with that agency's priorities. Now, that agency's priorities could simply be selecting the vendors that offer the lowest price or that uphold different values, like the values that I had mentioned earlier. Right, right. And, and, you know, when we talk about GFPP or the Good Food Purchasing Program as a tool, we're recognizing that agencies can ultimately threaten to withdraw their business from a company if that company doesn't comply with the agency's priorities and, and, and ultimately hopefully, the, the values and the priorities of the communities that they're serving. And so in saying that, we know that agencies have power over those companies' behaviors or practices and can ultimately encourage broad change across the food system by actively choosing, and I, I, I stress actively, actively choosing I felt the force. Dollars. I felt the emphasis <laughs> behind actively. I, I felt I that <laughs> I was trying, <laughs> you know, by actively choosing to invest their dollars in companies that demonstrate a commitment to to these values. Um, and so that that's a little bit about what what really drives us to do the work that we're that we're doing here in, in New York City and New York State. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So much to unpack. It is so yeah. much to unpack. So 
what does this mean for what is the you know so i i'm i'm a farmer i'm a i'm mm-hmm. a small scale farmer i'm i'm a black woman black female farmer you know i um I grow microgreens, you know, I grow mm-hmm. some, you know, something, you know, of abundance where, you know, I'm really looking to, to, you know, supply my, my product to like, what, what is the, I guess in terms of like your, your vision or your dream, like what is like that? If I'm a small scale farmer, like what, how's mm-hmm. this all going to make me feel? And, and, and if, when I hear yeah. this, am I really like, it's just just one of the another one of these like you know because again we talked yeah. about government and we talked yeah. about that complicated yeah. relationship right yeah. yeah um but like what is your hope that someone like i'm not a farmer y'all let me just say that i think y'all know that but someone like me i hear this like what is your hope that this what what is this going to do for me like what is the dream what is the hope yeah. like what um you know what 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 yeah what what is that what does that feel like you know, because yeah, there I, has I not this. been many, not too many. I, I had this is my first conversation about this. So again, I'm very excited that we are diversifying the conversations and really talking about mm-hmm. this. This is a first, right? We don't talk about this too much often at all. You know, so not even with the farmers that I know, we're not mm. talking about this. You know, yeah. we're not. We're just talking about building infrastructure for their farm, feeding their community, mm-hmm. and that's as far mm-hmm. as it goes. You know, so. What what does that feel like? What is that? What is that? What what hope do you want this this farmer or this food business, you know, um, to have in hearing this and, you know, pushing this this movement through? Yeah, I one, let me just say that I, I really appreciate you lifting up the idea of hope and dreaming in this, because this is really a paradigm shift that mm. we're trying to work towards. This is very different than what our agencies have been doing. Um, even in, in if, if I were to just talk a little bit about New York City and New York State, New York State has some of the most restrictive procurement law. And, you know, to use that wonky word again, we have some of the most restrictive procurement law in, 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 in the country. Um, and it hasn't been updated since the 70s, so over 50 years at this point. Yeah, and I read that. Oh my, well... I'm not surprised, but you know, there's still things that you're never surprised about. But so when you read it, you're just like, oh my gosh. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's absurd. Really. We, New York and actually Illinois has some of the most restrictive procurement law across the country. Mm. And, and when I say that, I mean that public agencies are, are actively required by state law to select what they call the lowest responsible bidder or just simply the lowest bidder, the bidder that's able to offer them the lowest price. And that ultimately does meet some parameters. Like our public agencies are held to, depending on the agency, different state and and federal requirement, city, state, and federal requirements. Um, So that, that goes without saying, but ultimately they have to select the lowest bidder. And so one thing that we're working on, and then I'm going to get a little bit more into, into my dream and and so on. Um, But just to contextualize some of the tools that we're using to work towards that that vision and that dream um, is something that we're calling the Good Food NY Bill in in New York State. It's it's a bill that that would be the first of its kind that would have in the country that amends that really nitpicky part of New York State law that says that public agencies have to select the lowest bidder 
And it essentially says, the Good Food NY bill says that agencies are now allowed to award a bid, uh, essentially give a contract to a qualified vendor who meets one or more of the values-based criteria that we integrate into the bill. So really centered around um, vendors that meet standards within the areas that I'd mentioned earlier, the value areas that I'd mentioned earlier. So local economies, animal welfare, environmental sustainability, uh, nutrition and valued workforce and racial equity as well. And in this case, which is an alternative than what is the status quo right now, under this bill, successful contracts would be given preference over other bidders, particularly the lowest bidders, so long as they can offer a cost that's no greater than 10% than the cost included in the bid um, from the lowest bidder. Mm -hmm. So it essentially allows agencies to pay a little bit more for for vendors that align with their values and that ultimately work towards the food systems change that that's important to them as an agency and that's important to the the residents that they're serving um another major piece of this bill is that let me just say that the food system is opaque and when i say that i mean that we do not know where our food comes from and public agencies are not currently required to ask for full supply chain data from farm all the way to fork. And so what we're doing with this bid, with this bill, sorry, the Good Food NY bill, is now all bidders will be required to include in their bid, in their response to the to the bid, relevant supply chain data like name and addresses, et cetera, hmm. of all of the producers, suppliers, distributors, and aggregators that are involved in actually bringing this food from the farm to our plates. Wow. And that, that is so key because that's how we enact change. You've, you've centered transparency in this podcast and in this conversation, which I've really, really appreciated you lifting up because that's one of the central pieces of how we use the Good Food Purchasing Program to, mm-hmm. to, to work as a tool that amplifies the power of the community. If our communities don't know where our food is coming from, we can't say where we think our food should be coming from. And wow. so it's, it's really important for that picture to be painted using that data. And that's that's one of, we've recognized a really, truly, truly integral and, and primary component to how we organize around this. Um, wow. So I just, I just, that was a lot. I just wanted to start with that. I'm soaking um, it all in. I mean, Rebecca, <laughs> you are, you are just brilliant over here. You know, I'm just soaking all of this in. No, this is, this is great. And it's a lot of work. I I know it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. So when we think about, you know, one of the things that uh, I know that's been lifted up and is part of this work is addressing, you know, systemic racism. You know, do Mm -hmm. you truly believe that, you know, this this bill and this this effort would, you know, support? you know, longstanding issues, you know, when it comes to the inequities of, of our, um, of our food system, you know, of us as, as black people and people of color. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, and how is that, is that a, a constant, um, are those conversations, you know, constant Are those conversations always revolving, you know, when, when you all are discussing this bill and and discussing, you know, the campaign. Yeah, that that's so spot on. And it is something that, you know, I asked myself 
day in and day out, that our team asks ourselves day in and day out, and that our coalition does too, uh, along with honestly the legislative partners that, that we work with too. I'll, I'll just say, you know, no one policy is a silver bullet. You know, I, I recognize that. And when I say that, I really mean that no one thing addresses everything in in our society and I and and recognize and and addresses all of the social inequities that we're working towards. So that's just generally how I feel. And I and I say that with a comma at the end of that sentiment. And I say that I recognize that this this bill and, and all of the work that we're doing um, with the Good Food Purchasing Program and trying to maximize it and spread it across not only the state, but really the country, is that this works as part of a larger ecosystem of really amazing work that's that's happening day in and day out um, to make more pathways and provide more opportunities for Black farmers and and other POC farmers across across our state, across our and across our country. Um, you mentioned that one of the co the central conversations um, that that you had is around infrastructure. That's that's a big piece of this equation. You know, we hear day in and day out that some of the the primary challenges um, that Black farmers, for example, face are access to land, access to capital, and access to infrastructure. And those are all really real things that we have to contend with when doing this work. Because you know, if we're creating more market opportunities, if we're if we're calling on our public agencies to source more of their produce from BIPOC food producers, we have to also be actively working with folks who are, are supporting those BIPOC food producers to actually be able to scale up. But let just to, to quantify that a little bit, because I think some numbers can be really helpful in understanding what we're, what we're up against. Um, and, and just to look at the, the United States at large, and then I'll, I'll, I'll whittle it down a little bit to, to New York State, um, a century ago, so back in 1920, black farming, that's when black farming peaked. And I'm sure a lot of folks that are, that are listening um, are, are really well aware of these stats, but I'll just say um, there were at that time in 1920, close to a million black farmers, which is astounding. If we compare that to today, that's compared to 40, only 48,000 black farmer, farmers across the country. Um, and and when, you, when you break that down even more, black farmers across the country only own half of a percent of the farmland in this country. It's 0.5% of the farmland in this country. In, in New York state alone, we have only 139 black farmers, 139 black farmers compared wow. to 57,000 white farmers, 57,000 white farmers. Those numbers, that is alarm. I've not. I haven't heard the New York, New York City, New York State. Did you say state? New York, New York State, New York State. I have never heard that that stat, and like that is alarming. It's so it's alarming. It, it's absurd, and honestly, it's it's by design. That I felt that deep. Of course. Breath. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I got these sides for days, girlfriend. So oh, do absolutely. I. Yes. That's me on the daily, honestly. Ooh. And you know, we 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 know that these issues are are inherent to the legacy of agriculture, which is inherently tied to the to the to the legacy, the very rot, ugly legacy of slavery in this country. 
Um, those issues of access to land, capital, infrastructure, those are some of the biggest challenges. And that that is that is entirely by design. And it's what makes uh, it's what makes PLC farmers and black farmers scaling up really challenging, um, which is you know, something that we actively have to contend with when, you know, like I said earlier, we're actively telling agencies and public institutions to use their tremendous dollars to source from these producers. Um, so we don't we don't shy away from that reality. And it's something that that really drives me. Um, you know, when I think of New York City alone, who is actively, we're doing tremendous work with implementing the Good Food Purchasing Program um, we've been working very closely with our agencies, our public agencies, to to advance this program and to really maximize this program. Um, but to just give you a sense of how much we're spending in New York City alone, just New York City. New York City, we have 11 public agencies that we're targeting, and collectively, we, we spend annually half of a billion dollars on food alone across those 11 agencies. That's a tremendous amount of money. So when I said that we have the power to leverage the power of procurement, I, that's that's no easy task when you're talking about five hundred million dollars or a half a billion dollars. Um, we are also, you know, serving the most marginalized people yeah. in our in our city and yeah. and and in our in our state too. You know, these public agencies from schools to to detention centers and jails, to hospitals, um, ha uh, homeless shelters, um, senior centers, et cetera. They're serving the people who have been pushed to the periphery of our society and who have a tremendous amount of power inherently, but who have been ultimately given the least amount of say in determining their food realities in, in their communities. And so this, 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 the Good Food Purchasing Program is one of a number of tools that we can use to support the process of amplifying that community power to say that they deserve a say in censoring the values that are important to them in the food that comes into their public institutions. Mm. Um, but we also, we also care about, like you mentioned, Black farmers. And, you know, we, we recognize, like I said earlier, that this works within a larger ecosystem. Um, so we we are constantly talking with um, stakeholders in in the city in the city and and ultimately now we've been we've been building an active campaign across the state to make sure that that ecosystem is supported so that there's constant feedback loops happening between our agencies and what they're demanding and who they're who they're who they're uh, preferring in in the food uh, food purchasing decisions that they're mm -hmm. making and ultimately making sure that the other side is, of the supply chain is ready, willing, interested, and able um, to respond to bids and to ultimately serve uh, members of the community that, that want to, to, to be you know, eating the food that, that comes from them. Yeah, I, you know, when you were, you were, you know, um, speaking a few moments ago and just, I remember my experience a few years ago, Ripka, I, I was volunteering at, at, a, at a shelter. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you the food that I saw being served, I said, how, how we are already in a space <clears throat> of trauma 
you know, folks you mm-hmm. know, dealing with mental issues and you would think mm-hmm. that at the top, I, I understand, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not discarding anybody, you know, for, for wanting to, you know, we, they're, 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 they're there to serve, right? They're like, listen, we just want to fill their bellies. Like they need food, they need a place to stay. But the food that I saw, I said, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Then I've actually worked with other shelters who are actually very intentional about the mm-hmm. food. They have gardens, mm-hmm. you know, here in DC yep. have gardens, you know, they are serving pasta with fresh vegetables and, and herbs. But I just, I remembered my first experience, like, it was yesterday and this was even before I had any connection in this space. And that was one of the first things that I thought about. And I said, I do not know how this food is being served right now because I would not even eat this. And so I, I think, yes, we, we, we are talking about the impact that this would definitely have on, you know, um, um, food businesses, you know, with the health and wellness lens, you know, small scale farmers, you know, BIPOC farmers, but also, you know, those who are receiving the food, those on the other end as well. And so, um, I couldn't help but to think about that as you were talking and um, I hadn't ta- thought about that in a minute, but I, I now remember. And so just even instances like that, I'm just thinking just how major, you know, this, yeah. this campaign is and how vital this would be. And so I, um, yeah, I just want to share that because it is, it's not just, it's not just one side. It's not just one person benefiting. It's just not one group of folks, you know, just, just benefiting it's, it's on both ends. And so um, I just wanted mm-hmm. to share that. Um, and just, and also just in gratitude, which is how, mm. you know, um, for you all, you know, community food advocates to you and this, this entire campaign and just really pushing this forward. And so with that said, what you had said earlier is that this had started in LA, is that what I heard? Yeah. Something yeah. like this, a model like this started in LA. And so I'm very interested yeah. to learn like how, you know, this is panned out for LA and you know how success in other cities or cities who are looking you know to approach a, a similar model as well um yeah. because we we want this to we want this to spread we want this to yeah. spread and so and if there's any and I don't know and just cuz I don't know everything there could be some things that I'm not thinking about that you know some folks may be scratching their head around like I don't know about like I I also just want to be sensitive to that too because I feel like there are different perspectives and you know people view you know campaigns like very differently but from what I'm hearing and what I've read like this is really going to be a game changer not only that yeah every time I get my paycheck I question even more what y'all doing with my dollars okay (laughs) (laughs) that's so real that is so like really invest in the folks who are doing this really good great work okay like please exactly Exactly, exactly. And, you know, you spoke to a a very real tension point, you know, a a couple moments ago, you mentioned how, you know, it's, 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 on one hand, really important that folks that are utilizing public institutions for food are are getting a meal to to fill their bellies, um, and to to support them shifting away from a state of hunger, um, however that may look. But the, the other side of that is the what, you know, the what, in terms of what does that supply chain look like that's supplying that food and and what is the the nature and the quality of that food that's that's on their plate and we wrestle with that you know day in and day out mm. um you know one of the things that we we hear like from schools for example um one of the the active campaigns that that 
folks know us for here in New York City is our Lunch for Learning campaign, which advocated for a number of years to get universal free school meals here in New York City. And we won that back in 2017. Uh, before, kids were separated in the classroom based on who had the ability to afford their, their school lunch mm -hmm. um, and, and who didn't. And now that's, that's not the case. Um, and what we hear from a number of folks is that the meals that they're that they're that their kids or that they themselves, if we're hearing from students, that they're receiving in schools are sometimes their primary or their only meal that they're getting on a that day. That's real. That and is a real that is a reality. Yes. It's a it's truly a reality. And it's it's something that that causes that tension point, you know, when we're actively talking about how do you center that truth with the the reality that our food system needs to change to support the foods that are going onto their trays and onto their plates. Um, mm -hmm. And this, this is, this is like I said earlier, a paradigm shift. This can happen in silos. We can't be doing this by ourselves. And, you know, just to go back to LA, LA um, started to implement this about a decade ago. And then other cities started to realize that this idea of centering values in food purchasing in, in public agencies was was really important for them to bring to their cities, to their neck of the, the, the woods or to their neck of the United States. And so now at present, um, there are approximately 60 or so agencies that um, are actively implementing the Good Food Purchasing Program. And this is across 11, co and, and 11 coalitions are activating around this, including ours in New York City and New York State. And this covers 24 cities Wow. Um, so we're talking about cities like Chicago, Buffalo, Austin, Boston, Cincinnati. Is DC on that list? DC. DC. Shout out to DC. No, DC has an active campaign. They're doing a lot of great work down there. Um, we're That's at, good we're to actively, know. Yeah, we're we're actually th there's a massive network of of good food purchasing folks that are working across the country. We, we're in constant communication to learn from each other, to share best practices. I, I've spoken to DC very recently, actually. Um, I, I was just on a phone call with our partners from Chicago um, earlier yesterday from our with our folks in, uh, in Buffalo earlier today. So we're, we're constantly in communication um, and, and collectively, these cities have committed to the Good Food Purchasing Program and we represent a combined uh, total roughly of about $1 billion of food purchased from vendors that really uphold those five values that I mentioned. Um, and and that's, that's pretty significant. Um, and, and I'll just also give um, another shout out to, to Illinois. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier that they have alongside New York State, they have some of the most restrictive procurement law, mm. um, which again requires that their public agencies have to select the lowest bidder. And they've also been doing some really interesting work on the state level um, where they recently just enacted um, what they're calling the Better School Lunches Act, which is essentially targeting school districts and removes the requirement that they have to select the lowest bidder when specifically working with food service management companies. Um, and that's that's really big, you know, that's really big. And I, I just, I wanted to lift that up because I wanted to just center the reality that this is possible. And, you know, in, in New York, it, with our work with the Good Food NY Bill, 
um, that is, is seeking to reduce barriers across all municipalities and make sure that municipalities or cities have more options to do values-based food procurement, it's it's possible. But we we talk we talk to legislators across our Senate, across our assembly, and we've we've received an overwhelming amount of support here in New York State um, on this. And it's been really interesting to see that, particularly with COVID and the pandemic being a backdrop to a lot of these conversations, they're realizing that the food system is is very is very um, nimble, and they saw they saw how um, how precarious it was, how how sensitive the food system is. You know, at the start of the pandemic, a lot of people couldn't get a lot of food products. They saw how weak Nonsense. some of our you supply get chains a, were. A head of lettuce. Anything, you couldn't even get a anything. pack of seeds. Exactly. <laughs> I was exactly. calling my farm friends like, listen, I want to stroll up. Because <laughs> the mom and, and, and pop stores don't even got it. Seriously. And, nah, it and you know, the, it is so real. I was experiencing it here. I live in Brooklyn. Um, we were experiencing Shout out, BK. All- Shout out. <laughs> I used to live in Brooklyn when I lived in New York, so I got to shout it out. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I love I love Brooklyn. It's my heart. Um, I'm from New York. My family's from Ethiopia. We've been here for, for a long time. So I, I come with a history of how New York City has evolved over the last couple of decades and, and also come with the conscientiousness of a food system rooted on, you know, on the continent too. So I bring a lot of that to, to the table. But all of that to just say that um, the work that the, the the work that we're doing with legislators also tries to tap into their their personhood, their their lived experiences. Mm-hmm. They're they're legislators, yes, they're elected officials, but they're also people at the end of the day mm-hmm. who have to go to the grocery store after work and go and cook a meal for their families. And you know, they were experiencing some of what everything that we were experiencing with the food system, and so now. For a, an average legislator who might not have been thinking about the food system and its relevance to their day-to-day lives or their constituents' day-to-day lives, they just have a different ear to mm-hmm. these issues now. And I, the pandemic just really set a really interesting, for lack of a better word, a really interesting backdrop to how we have these conversations and communicate yeah. its urgency, to yeah. be real. Yeah. Oh, sis, you are doing it. Oh my gosh. Rivka, I can talk to you all day about this. I you know? could and too. <laughs> I, I just, I, I love this because, you know, it's passionate is just not even the word that I feel is appropriate to use, but I just, you know, just feel your, your, your energy and just everything that you're championing in this space. And because holding these conversations, anytime we're talking politics, anytime we're talking elected officials, anything, anytime we're talking, you know, government, it is, you know, it is, it is very tricky. It is very tricky. It is. It's Uh, so layered. Yeah. It's so layered because there's that trust. There is, it's the lack thereof, you know, that, that residents, you know, have and rightfully so, right. Just given the history, you know, Um, so I, I just, I appreciate you because it is so important for people to see you as a black woman showing up Mm. in this space and leading, you know, this campaign. And it's just, it's so inspiring because regardless Mm. of how we feel about government, regardless of what our relationship is like, you know, like this is just a super important. And so I'm glad that you are one of many faces, you know, let's shout out to all the other folks too, but specifically, you know, a black person, you know, just really 
um, um, leading efforts. It's just, it's really inspiring and it just mm -hmm. added a whole nother, you know, um, um, layer, you know, or just another voice, you know, into this space to, to talk about this. So um, I'm mm. super excited. Thank you for sharing, you know, the cities didn't even, well, I'm in, I'm in the district. I, I got some more digging to do, right? I got some more digging <laughs> to do, but you know, also, um, yeah, I, I have, I have so much learning to do, right? Um, mm. But I'm just, just thank you for, for sharing all of that and all of your knowledge. And um, there's actually so many other questions I want to ask you, but I have to have you back on the show now. <laughs> you gotta come back. From, that's if I you wanna come it. back. I you know? do, I do, I do. And, and honestly, I'll just, mm. I'll just reciprocate that because mm. gratitude really is important. And, mm. and one, I receive everything you said that, that means a lot because the work really, really is hard. And like I said earlier, it can be really easy to, to get jaded and to mm -hmm. feel jaded and to have to contend with that in the mm -hmm. work. Um, and accountability can be really hard when you're feeling jaded um, and, you know, might have blurriness when, when trying to center the dream and the vision of what we're working towards. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel really, really empowered day in and day out. And I, I receive my energy from those dreams and mm -hmm. and from the partnership that I I truly center in this work, um, that's that's always guided me in 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 all of my work for honestly as long as I can remember. Um, same with my curiosity, you know, asking why, you know, like you started, why why can't we do this, you know, why can't we source from black farmers, why can't we center values, um, and and sometimes asking those questions when you may not be getting all the answers that you want can be really hard. Um, but I just one, I just want to say I received everything that you said and I appreciate that. But I also wanted to, to shout you out, you know, this having a space where we can learn together and because we're all learning, we're all mm -hmm. learning. You know, I, if, if I stop learning when I'm 50 or 60, then I feel like, you know, life just ends at the point that you stop Absolutely. learning. And, yes. and so I, I never want to stop learning. And I feel like it's spaces like the one that you very intentionally have created um, here in these 130 episodes, but I'm sure in your day-to-day -day conversations and building and organizing with folks that has has really allowed folks to to be rooted in that in that shared curiosity and that shared learning. Um, and and shout outs to you as a black woman who's doing that. Um, I was so excited to come onto this and <laughs> just seeing your face on here. You're you're not only just a, a people person and you, you create a space that is accessible, but you also dig. And, and as someone who is notoriously curious, I, I just love the questions that you ask and um, and Thank that you center you. And, and lift up. So I just wanted to reciprocate that. Absolutely. Too. So funny thing, we're about to wrap up y'all. So when I was, when I was little, my mom used to call me a little nosy thing because I <laughs> looked at everyone. I would literally bump into a wall, like breaking my neck to like look at people when something would pop off. I'm like looking like literally. And I, you know how they always tell you to like, when you, when you get older, right? It's like, as like that, that little child, like what, what did you like? You know, like what, what, what yeah. were some of the things that you were into? And I always tell people, I was like, I was extremely curious, you know, I said, my mother mm -hmm. would call it nosy, but I was like, I was really <laughs> curious. And even up to this moment, like I am super curious, but I look back at my, you know, my little self and like, I always wanted to know everything. And even if I didn't ask yeah. any questions, I was like, looking, I would be walking and looking at the same time, be like, Phew! you know, so yeah, I appreciate I that. that. <laughs> <laughs> you have a kindred spirit. 
share it right here with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Rebecca, if someone wanted to, so I got one final question because we need to leave, mm -hmm. you know, our listeners with, you know, an edible act that they can take right away, like after listening to the show. So I'm gonna ask you that, I'm gonna re-ask you that question, but if someone wanted to get in contact with you, um, what's the yeah. best way to do that? You know, so um, just, just, you know, if someone wanted to connect um, and if you don't want them to connect with you, <laughs> If you want them to come no. through me, if I need to make a connect, just let me know. But there may be someone who's listening, has some more questions. Yeah. Um, so what would be the best way? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to that. Um, I, I love talking with folks and, and really engaging with how this how this movement can spread and how we can center values in, in our food systems work across the board, not not just limited to, to, to public food purchasing. Um, but my email, I can share my email. I can, I can also put it in the chat, but it's rgetacho at foodadvocates.com. Um, that's R for Ripka and getacho is my last name, which is G-E-T-A-C-H-E-W at foodadvocates.org. Sorry, I might've said that. No, you're good. You're good. And I'm actually going to, just so folks know how to spell your name, there you go. <laughs> I ain't gonna drop it in the chat though because that would get broadcasted out to like thousands of people after we're done and yeah, yeah. but also if they go to community food advocates um yeah. they I know you have a whole profile on there as well so I'll drop that link in the chat too um so yes. they can probably send like a, a message you know to the organization wanting to connect with you um but repeat the email address just one more time in case folks are writing it down and so they can see yeah. your name on the thing Okay, so it's R um, for Ripka and Getacho. R Getacho, R G E T A C H E W at foodadvocates.org. And um, it's it's on the website, so you can access me through the website that you'll share, Melissa, on the on the chat. Yep. Um, but I'll, I'll also just awesome, perfect, thanks. Um, what I'll also just flag there on that website, if you scroll all the way to the bottom on the main page you'll see a button that says join our movement and you can click there to get added to our, our listserv. Um, we're really intentional with our newsletters. We don't spam folks. Uh, we curate it pretty well. And it's, it's, it's the place that we, it's one of the places um, outside of our coalition meetings where we keep our community informed on everything that we're working on and lift up ways that they can activate on continue building momentum in, in our food systems advocacy across the board. Um, here in New York City and New York State. So if you join our move, if you click that join our movement button, you can you can get more information there. Um, and then if if I can also just lift up another quick edible edible act, um, particularly for those who are um, listed that are based here in New York, I highly recommend. And I'm going to preface this in a moment, um, but I highly recommend that you contact uh, your local state senator and or assembly member to tell them to support the good food and why bill um, or and I could I could put the bill numbers in the chat because they'll probably respond better to the to the actual bill numbers. Um, but I, I preface that suggestion by just saying that I know that that sounds really daunting or it could sound very daunting. Um, calling our legislators can sound so arbitrary. Um, it can be really daunting to have that conversation. I completely understand. It can sometimes feel really, really inaccessible. Um, and, and we do have a, uh, a, a, a tool, a type form that helps New York State residents 
uh, find their local legislator because sometimes it's hard to know where to find that information and what their contact information is, be it their number or their email. And it can also be really challenging to know exactly what to say to them um, to express that you support the thing that you're calling about. Um, so I'll just share this this link. Um, I believe you should be able to see it right now. It's uh, a type I think form. you put it in the private chat, but don't worry, I gotcha. I'm gonna put it in the main chat. Okay, thank yep. you. Sorry about that. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> I'm getting familiar with the with the platform. That's okay. Um, I put it in. I put it in there. Yep. Perfect. And and that that you'll see it really helps to just whittle that process down and um it, it provides a template for you to say hey legislator i care about this because of this and you can you know you can add some things that 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 bring in your own heart and your perspective and the the perspectives and and um feedback from your community of course we love when folks make it their own that's when it really registers um, but there's a, a template that helps to communicate some of those ideas. And, um, and I'll just share, it, it's included in the type form, uh, but there's an info sheet that helps in a two page, in a two page way, helps to really break down what the good food and why bill is, how, how we, we were, we're seeking to offer opportunities and options for cities across New York state to center and to lift up these values in their food purchasing decisions. And, uh, and how racial equity and transparency is the the, the heart, the two hearts of, of this work. Mm, I love that, the two hearts. I love that, <laughs> I love that. Ripka, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I mean that from it the really depths has. of my heart. Oh my gosh, so inspiring, so inspiring. Keep up the good work. Thank like, you. I, thank we you are so here, much. support this sister, to, even if you don't, live in New York, like send her good vibes because, you know, she's, she's fighting that. for us. So, and you need that, you need that, you know, and make sure you take care of yourself, self-care, cause you know how we do. We, we carry yes. the weight of the world and we push, push, push. But I, mm -hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I learned so much and I look forward to all the other work. I look forward to all the outcomes from the bill, the campaign. And so, and I hope that you join me for a future show. I do. Um, I'm definitely up for it. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm yes. saying yes now. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank That's you. okay. And if you change your mind in the future, I won't be offended, but I got you today. So <laughs> this has been this has been so great. I appreciate your energy. I appreciate yes. the space um, that you're creating for us and and just, you know, how you've lifted up so many, so many truly inspirational voices um, over the, the lifetime of this chat. I mean, over the lifetime of this pandemic. And and I'll just say, you know, the past it directly informs the present, mm. um, which informs our future. And so for, 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 from my perspective, I really feel like this podcast is one of so many feedback loops between the past, present, and future. Oh, and yes. Just how we build, you know, how we build. So, so thank you, too, for this Absolutely. space. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Y'all, remember, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please find Food Talks in Color. That is just the letter N. So that's Food Talks in Color um, on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Like, if you love, if you love, no, it, I don't think there's a love button on YouTube 
YouTube yet, but just love it in your heart, right? Go ahead and like, love the show, comment, let us know what you enjoyed and share it because it's super dynamic. This will also be on iTunes in the next couple of days too, if you want to hear the audio. But again, please subscribe, support the both of us. So um, you all have a wonderful evening and we will talk to you all soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch today's episode on iTunes, Spotify, and Simplecast. And be sure to follow us at Food Talks in Color. That's just the letter N on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And did you know we are on Patreon? This is a way for you to take action and support our mission of amplifying BIPOC voices on the Edible Activist Podcast. Visit patreon.com backslash Food Talks in Color to learn more peace and blessings. And remember, in the great words of Baba Tariq Adunu, there is no culture without agriculture.